To episode 95 of the Movie Brats podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing well. Insert subtitles, because we are <laughs> going to be talking about yes, two, two foreign language films. Yes. One, I think, maybe slightly... I mean, it was nominated for Best Foreign Language... Best Foreign Film, but it's a UK production. Best International <laughs> Feature Film. Uh, okay, that's what it the is. The year now. it changed that, the year, the only time a foreign language film has won Best Picture Picture, uh, Parasite, is the year it changed. Oh, really? How about that? Yes. Um, well, touching on that, uh, the first one of our two foreign language movies uh, is The Zone of Interest, the fourth film from Jonathan Glazer, who has previously directed... Sexy Beast, Birth, and Under the Skin, which was about 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Um, starring... 10 years ago when it came out, uh, okay. Zone of Interest came out last year, yeah. Quite a gap between films, so this was very highly anticipated. Yes. Uh, starring Christian Friedel and Sandra Hewler in one of her two major notable roles from 2023, along with Anatomy of a Fall. The film portrays the everyday household life of the commandant of Auschwitz concentration camp in World War II and his family, and does not really show anything else. Um, it originally premiered May 19th at the Cannes Film Festival and was released wide in the U.S. recently on January 26th. It has a Metacritic score of 91 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 92. Uh, Jonathan, you saw this movie ages ago, seemingly before anyone else who didn't see it at con. I only saw this very recently, was very surprised at the turnout at the theater I was in. It was completely full, sold out. Um, a little confusing, some of the people's choices of beverage and refreshments during it, especially for such a quiet movie about such dark subject matter. It was a little strange to be hearing people eating popcorn because it is a very quiet movie. And the sound design is maybe more important than actually what you see on screen. But I'm sure you've been holding your thoughts about this for quite some time, Jonathan. So what did you think of The Zone of Interest? Well, remember, I might have had this film on my last two list of the most anticipated of the year because he took over a year after he was in post-production to, you know, actually get the film out. And so I remember I said, this is like one of the films I'm absolutely most excited for for 2023. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I was the one who said, you know, look out for this movie. And I mean, for me, I was super excited because Under the Skin... 10 years before this one, uh, I think it's one of the five best films of that decade. I think it's a masterpiece. Which of his four films, previous three films, have you seen? I've seen Under the Skin. I am very aware of Sexy Beast. I've seen YouTube clips of Sexy Beast, but I've never actually seen the whole movie. It's a pretty yeah. short movie, right? 89 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a not a super long movie either, under two hours. But All of his films are uh, under two hours. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, it'd be pretty intense to stay in these environments for longer than that. I can say that much. Yes, Sexy Beast is very funny, though. Also, yes. it's not a comedy, but it, uh, but uh, the zone of interest I saw 
Uh, well, I'll compare it to Under the Skin in uh, very different movies, but they're both, I've heard, very, very loosely based on novels. Mm -hmm. uh, and he took a very, very long time to make both films. Um, it was a nine-year gap between Birth and Under the Skin, and then 10 years between Skin and Zone of Interest. And Malik-like. Yes. And he uh, is, I think, one of the greatest living film directors. I think that, you know, he has a small output of feature films, but they're, you know, really incredible body of work. And The Zone of Interest is, it's a PG-13 film where- Is it really? You, yeah. You, you don't see, like, any violence on screen. No. And the, th the thing that makes the film so powerful is that the entire film is almost documentary- focused on yes. the day-to-day -day life, almost a Jean Dielman, like, yeah. if you will, watching the day-to-day -day life of this Nazi commandant and his family. And I think it's complicated to use the phrase people have done it, uh, the banality of evil, uh, because, uh, but you do see the mother, you know, walking through her garden and showing her mother, you know, around, you see the husband, you know, preparing uh you know his outfit and you see and then you see him making you know talking with designers of a crematorium and the way he talks about it is you know in the same yeah like it's a vacuum cleaner or something like that right or like what are we going to have for breakfast yeah. and uh there's just this cold detached and like there's even in the filmmaking there's a lot of it where there's very little camera movement it's very much like it's almost like there isn't even um uh choices i mean there obviously are millions of choices made in the filmmaking but it feels so like you're just almost like you're you're witnessing well, like a from like what i've read of it um basically all the footage like we brother. see yeah is like stationary hidden cameras or some not hidden but that even the director was not even inside the house when it was filming that the actors are I, there must have been a script um but in some ways, they're just sort of behaving as if they were these people, which gives a really chilling quality to the movie. Um, right, because you, I mean, obviously people have talked about, you know, you got these idea of like Nazis being like filming at the mouth and they're monstrous, but no, they're just human beings who did these horrible barbaric acts and, you know, enacted these uh, atrocities. But, you know, they ate, they had gardens, they have children, you know, they had They didn't want to move. Is like the big right. fight in the middle of the movie, kind of like the emotional climax is the wife is like, I love my home here. I don't want to move. And it's like, Jesus, like you're talking about living next to Auschwitz. I mean, I think part of the power of the movie, it's a very kind of slow matter of fact movie, but you're so pulled into it because of the the way audiences are conditioned for drama and action that you like literally don't see anything in the film uh like i think like there's maybe one shot that's technically in the camp where you're just seeing the nazi commandant like a very like high angle shot where like you're looking at up at him and you, i think you're supposed to assume he's in the camp but like you don't see any prisoners in the camp you mm -hmm. see like in the foreground you know you see in the background like you know outside the house like you may see a prisoner or you hear that's the major thing is you hear yes. gunshots you hear a scream and because of your conditioning as audiences, it's like when you hear a gunshot or you hear something or you see in the background like a smokestack, like you lean forward and you go, oh, what was that? And like you want to know, but then you stop and you feel complicit. You're like, wait, I don't want to see 
a Jewish person being shot in the head. I don't want to see someone gassed. I don't want to see, you know, a mother screaming as her child is being yanked away. Like you're putting these images in your head and it kind of yes. messes with your expectations of what drama is. Well, that's what I think one of the best criticisms criticisms I saw of this was that it was kind of like about the commodification of grief and almost a certain fetishization of portrayals of grief in media um, and how people, you know, maybe feel like they're a better person because they've been exposed to stuff like this or that some people, uh, you know, enjoy watching violence and stuff like that. And, and this really turns the focus on the viewer and yeah. And like questions what we want to see, what we're expected to see, how we, we how we would react to, to seeing the things. And, and in some ways all you not seeing anything and, hearing gunshots and hearing screams and stuff like that makes the imaginings of what's happening much, much worse than, than anything you can actually see of it. And it's one of the big criticisms I've seen of, uh, of Schindler's list. Uh, I think it comes from Stanley Kubrick is that you like, can't make an uplifting movie about the Holocaust. That's like in, in some ways minimizing its effect and minimizing the horror of it. And this like sort of by not showing it maximalizes the horror to a way that I had not really seen in a movie. I mean, it's a really uncomfortable movie to watch. It's like not an enjoyable experience. Um, really tough, but obviously an extremely important movie and sort of about complicity and, and ignoring things and how people just sort of want to go about their everyday lives and not think about the horrible stuff that's, that's happening around them. Um, if if uh, if someone were only going to see ten films from last year, I would say it's an essential. Like like both, like as a human being, there's certain movies like Twelve Years a Slave that like you should ethically see because you're a human being. But yeah. also for the filmmaking, just the craft of the film is just like you know yes. it's like ob obsessively particular and brilliantly done. And I'm very glad that he got nominated for best director. I think very deserved nomination because I don't know that anyone else could have directed the film in this way with this like focus and this it's almost like severe in the way like I said there's like so little camera movement and even when like there's not a scream or a gunshot in the background or there's not something lingering there's always this just horrible sense of dread and the thing is like you never even see like there's not that release of like as horrible as it would be to see someone getting shot or executed there's just this this horrible tension in the film and there's these little tiny things in the movie that have such an impact like where you see like the 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 little pile of teeth or like the oh wife God, putting yeah. on the coat and you that realize, was oh, so probably... chilling. Yeah. 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 And, and then she's and... just like, this will have to be altered and cleaned. And it's just like, fuck. Oh, and this like when they get in the river and there's like, you know, the human remains. Yeah. I know it's, it's just, yeah. And I think but... that uh, it's a film too, where you like, you don't really think of the performances, but because they're so good, like you don't even think of them giving performances. You feel like you're no, just it's... watching these people live their lives. Yes. And as realistic and, and unflinching as it is, there are some bits of it that are really sort of formalistic, expressionistic, like use of color and sound. Like, like, like the it, night vision things. Like, what is that? Yes. Yes. That's something that there's these two interludes sort of of this girl leaving apples on various sites around the Auschwitz camp. I mean, I didn't even really know what was happening because there's no, no explanation. And then afterwards, it's like, oh, she's leaving food for the prisoners because they're not going to get. And it why are they else. shot that way? Yeah, I don't know. I, no, no, I don't either. But, so uh, it, was, it, it really 
is so sort of in the the interrogative as a movie. It's constantly making the the viewer question what they're seeing and and how they're feeling about what they're seeing and what the director's trying to to make them feel or if the director's trying to make them feel anything at all or just sort of showing you things. Um, the, if I'm not um, mistaken, I, the the movie opens with like bright red screen and just sort of well, no, the very very beginning. It's totally black for like a few minutes, and there's okay. just this drone. Yes. Remember, it's like you're just it, it's like when you watch a movie and there's just this black screen with sound you're like is something wrong. Some, I know, but <laughs> but you're like looking at it and you're like, is there something, you know, it's like there's the you remember the opening of a serious man, the Coen Brothers film where it's like black, black and there's this tiny little prick of uh, light and then like you realize it's like the you get to realize it's the uh, like the inside the, of the guy's uh, mouth, earbud. right? Well, it's the earbud. Oh, OK. Uh, there's a different but, one. Um, but but it's also uh the score is really incredible. Michael Levy, who did the score for Under the Skin. And Very minimalistic. Like oh, it's and, incredible. And also and, like um, confrontational to a certain extent. Yes. Um, and I think that uh the movie is one where um I mean this is a little bit spoiler, but not really, where I think you can make a really interesting article about comparing Killers of the Flower Moon and this movie about how you dramatize yes history and atrocities how it's remembered yeah yeah because there's this really incredible part towards the end of the movie where the main character is walking through these empty hallways and you see him looking and then you see footage of people cleaning yeah in the present day these memorials of the holocaust and it reminds me um of the radio play at the end of killers of the flower moon where it's like how, you know how do you depict you know these atrocities yeah the unimaginable yeah i mean i people have debated you know it's like i actually think schindler's list is an incredible film so do i yeah fun. i don't think it's but, necessarily like a merit criticism to say that you can't make a movie like that about the holocaust no. and um, like there's night have you seen night and fog or showa i've seen night and fog i've not seen showa night and fog yeah. also does not show anything except the camp from what i remember right or no, no what's no, the one it, i'm thinking of isn't that well, the show, alan renee show, one well, you haven't yeah, Showa is like nine hours and ten minutes long, and there's and not that's a single just frame. survivors. Yeah, there's not a single frame of footage of the past. Yes, Night and Fog, you definitely you see dead bodies and piles of like skulls. Like it's it's like really harrowing. Um, but okay. uh, it's also you know a more recent film that's a narrative film that I think is comparable in some ways to the Zone of Interest, is Son of Saul, where yes, in that one. It's like you don't really you're like you're so laser focused like it's so it's almost the opposite stylistically of the zone of interest because it's like all handheld and yes in that way you do see atrocities but it's like flashing like it's on the side of the frame it's like a person walking by something horrible and it's like you're just overwhelmed by like you're in that movie you're just fully in the camp but you're so focused on this one character and like following them from behind you're seeing them walking yes. and uh it's it's interesting how they're they're like very opposite but they they kind of complement each other about like how one is so laser focused on the one character one guy and, yeah yeah but uh yeah i mean the zone yeah, i think Ventures... I, I think i repressed my memories of night and fog because that was part of the saddest double feature i've ever watched in our film historiography class where we watched germany year zero and night and fog back to back 
Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a really weird double feature. Uh, I saw uh, Todd Solance was asked to pick uh, his film Welcome to the Dollhouse and screen it with another movie at Film at Lincoln Center. And he picked Night and Fog. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you've had no two really else. traumatic double features. Well, Welcome Fog. to the Dollhouse is a dark film, but it's very funny comedy. Yeah. But uh, the, the fact that he would program that with Night and Fog is... Says something. Know, yeah. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> But I do think the zone of interest, like I said, we always, I mean, it, every movie we've ever reviewed, like you got to go see it in the theater, you got to go see it in the theater. But this the experience one, think, would be fundamentally changed not seeing it yeah. in the theater. I mean, one thing is like you really need to see it with surround sound, even if you yes. watch it at home, like if you have, you got to see it with surround sound. And uh, did your, I mean, it's hard to say, like, how did your audience like react to it? But was there, did you, they seem kind of taken in by the movie and, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, it, it was one where it, like no one really got up for a while after it was yeah. over, and eventually, you know, people started walking out, and you could just tell people being like, "Shit!" Like, I don't, you know, I don't know what they expected, but you, it's just very rare you see a movie like this that can kind of totally devastate you. And well, it's such an and it's because way. it's like it's confrontational, but yet it's not at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like it's so kind of matter of fact. And like nothing really happens in the sense that there's no violence on screen. Yes. Like you don't see, you're not confronted with the, but the fact that you don't see it and it's so kind of in the background on the well, yeah. edges. And so that makes it pretty different in its depiction of atrocities from Killers of the Flower Moon, where the matter of factness of the violence is kind of the point of it. And, and you see these over and over, these horrible violent atrocities being conducted and like obviously a different approach to it. Yeah, one of the most shocking like murders, uh, scenes of violence in all of Scorsese, I think, is that seen very early in the movie where where the mother the is just, shot. Like, yeah, it's just like she falls. It's like just so matter of fact. It's so yes. chilling. Yes, and yeah, um, nothing quite like that. But um, I mean, a very urgent. I've been I've seen this movie described as that very very much like it's an urgent movie and one that most people should should seek out. And you know, not a fun movie to watch. You wouldn't say it's like you enjoyed watching it. I mean, it's in a lot of ways, one of the more excruciating movie watching experiences I've ever had. Um, but in the best way possible, and it is yes. a really slow movie. It, it moves very much at its own pace. Um, but, but it's uh, only an hour and 45 minutes or so. It's, it's yes. not that long a movie, but yes. it's, uh, I mean, you, you, you wouldn't want, I remember, uh, Spike Lee said the only criticism he had of 12 Years a Slave is that the movie wasn't 12 years long. <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know, part of a film like Shoah is the kind of endurance of it. Yes. But I think Zone of Interest is effective in that. And it, it's right at an hour and 45 minutes. It, yes. you know, you get this uh, and it, and it's, and it's like, it doesn't try. I think another thing, you know, like I said, I really admire Schindler's. I think it's a very powerful film. It's one of Spielberg's best films. Yeah. But um, it's like Zone of Interest has a power too. And not only is it focused, you know, it 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 doesn't try to. It's not claiming to be like this is the definitive film. Yeah. This is explaining all. It of doesn't the, try to explain anything. I mean, like the it's yeah it's 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 like a historical drama, but it's not at all trying to explain. Yeah. It's like so undidactic. It's like yeah. not telling you how you're supposed to feel about any of it. I mean, it's just sort the of opposite like opposite of origin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It it just it shows you it. I mean, it uses these sort of formal elements like the sound design and the night vision and these flashes of color to, you know, sort of confront the audience and remind the audience that, you know, what they're seeing is 
a mediated experience through the medium of film. Um, but in a lot of ways, like this is probably as accurate a depiction of, of the Holocaust as you're ever likely to see committed to film. Um, and that yeah. is what so, makes it so chilling. Yeah. Uh, it's in my top 10 of the year. I mean, it's, it's we'll see if it makes mine. No spoilers yes. for me, uh, but we'll have a pretty dramatic shift. Uh, although it was kind of a somber movie in its own way, uh, to our second but a romantic film, comedy. Like, <laughs> yes, a, a dark romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah it's sort of not that dark. Oh, there was a. We'll talk about it, but there was a bit where if the movie hadn't kept going on, I was going to be like, "This is like this one of the saddest movies I've ever seen." <laughs> if it had ended. 15 minutes before oh, it actually ends. Um, but the movie is Fallen Leaves, directed by Aki Korizmaki, um, who is, I, I, you know, my fault, apparently one of like the, the greatest living filmmakers, but this is the first movie by him I've ever seen. He's been making movies in Finland, uh, in Germany, and in France for a very, very long time. Um, but this 40 is the years first, or something. Yeah, 40 years or so. His Two of his best-known movies are La Havre and uh, The Other Side of Hope. This movie stars. That's the only. The, his last one is the only one I've seen of his. Okay, uh, starring Alma Koitsi and Yusi Vatanen. I don't. I'm not very good with Finnish names. It's a. It's a very strange language. Uh, it is a romantic comedy drama following two lonely, struggling working class people in Helsinki, Finland. Um, is this set in the present? It was hard for me to kind of distinguish. It is never is made set. clear. I mean, they go see Jim Jarmusch's That's the Dead true. Don't so Die. It's... <laughs> but 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 there's all these posters for older films. So uh, yes. I mean, I think it's uh well no, no, Carter, you're you're not paying attention. Obviously it's set in the present because what's on the radio constantly? Oh, the Ukrainian conflict. Yes, 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 you're exactly right. I forgot about that. Um, it's just, just so much about, about how it. important sound is in the zone <laughs> of interest. You that, it totally slipped my mind. I mean, it's been a little while since I saw it. Uh, it premiered May 22nd at the Cannes Film Festival. It was released wide in the U.S. November 17th wide, relatively speaking. Uh, no, it is streaming I drive on... <laughs> to Asheville to see it. <laughs> yeah, so wide maybe is not the correct word. Uh, it is a movie release streaming on movie, a Metacritic score of 86 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 98. Um very short film, uh, under 90 minutes. Yeah, 81, 81 minutes. minutes. It, it was the submission uh, for Finland for the Academy Award. It did, did not get nominated. I think people were a little bit surprised by that. Yes. Because uh, it, it did really the... well. At, at Yeah. Do you think the submission process and the voting is, is flawed? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that, I mean, I liked Anatomy and Paul quite a bit, but like people were really shocked that the film that won the Palm d'Or was not nominated. It was Apparently, not the submission. That had a lot to do with the director's uh, outspoken critiques of the French president and some other Macron. members of French government. Yes. Um, yeah. So that might Arch. have a yeah. bit more to do with politics. But really, I mean, one of the most well-reviewed movies, not only foreign language movies of the last year, I mean, um, nominated for Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy, non-English language movie, nominated for loads of BAFTAs, won the jury prize at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, so kind of surprising that it it was not nominated um, for best foreign language film it was ranked number five on Cahiers du Cinema top ten films of 2023, which sometimes that list can be a bit weird. But <laughs> Billy Lynn's long <laughs> halftime walk makes the top ten list one year. I think. Yes. Uh, also, National um, Board of Review top five international films. But this is this will make my top ten favorite movies of the year. I really really love this movie. I thought the two lead performances were naturalistic and like kind of like 
suddenly kind of sexy and charismatic in a really strange kind of working class, very sad kind of way. It's almost it's almost a kind of neorealistic movie like Bicycle Thieves or something like that, because kind of the worst stuff keeps happening to these two main characters. And for the, See, the I male disagree character, with you in that that on paper, this movie seems really sad depressing but it's not at all because it's beautifully shot on what film. is it's vibrant it's got and it's like i never felt depressed during the movie i felt like emotional for them and you know they're struggling to both of them to keep jobs but there's you know it's just this like really slice of life neorealist film but there's just this humanity and this light and this humor and this droll sense of humor that elevates it and, like you never feel yes. i never felt depressed during well, the movie it wasn't so much as depressed as that I was so worried that at the end of the movie, like something bad was going to happen or, you know, they wouldn't end up together. Uh, that I was just like so on the edge of my seat, like something awful better not happen to these people. Like I want so badly for these people to like, you know, just be alive and, and exist with each other in the world. That I, and Depressing is probably not the right word, but I was just so worried about what's going to happen to them because... Because, you know, bad stuff keeps happening. I mean, the male, because he's sort of dealing with alcoholism, brings it on himself to, to a certain extent. And, um, you know, he doesn't make things easy for himself. And uh, But it's it's really a funny movie. And it's great musical sequences as well. There's a great karaoke sequence at the beginning. And then about three-fourths of the way through, there's like a Finnish pop song that comes on while the guy is at a bar. That is one of my favorite scenes of 2023. Uh, I hope I can like uh, even though I'm not YouTube. even though I'm not very familiar with his filmography I I, I know that uh, music and pop music has been like uh, a line through a lot of his films he's done like if you looked at he did like these music videos and he's had this like series of films that are like I don't know if they're like mockumentaries but they're like about a band you know so music oh, really? has been a key point a part of a lot of his movies uh -huh. and um, also he's one of these film directors that like a lot of his movies are like under 90 minutes. That's yes. Like a, a staple of his. And um, uh, I think that uh, it's interesting that, um, you know, it's, it's a movie where it it's, it is naturalistic, but there is still a heightened quality to it. Like there mm -hmm. is a, uh, there there's it, the movies unusually colorful and like vibrant, even though it's like these people are like sweeping up in a factory, you know, but there's just yes. this kind of it pops or a grocery screen. store. Yeah, it suddenly looks gorgeous. And you notice yes. all the different colors of the products and things like that. Um, and, and very movie literate. Like, I mean, like you mentioned, there are a lot of movie posters and, and posters kind of about uh, like there's a poster for Brief Encounter, right? Yes. And, and some other sort of, you know, will they or not will they or won't they it makes it sound like very romantic comedy, but this is kind of what it is. But well, you know, brief miss, encounter is yeah. yeah, it's true. Sort of like missed yeah. encounters. If you had done something different, maybe you know everything would be different, kind of thing. Um, if the slip of paper with her phone number has not blown out of your pocket, yes, movie. yes. Um, but I, I really haven't seen many finished movies now that I think about it. Like, it would I wouldn't be surprised if this was the first I'd ever seen. Um, like maybe you can remind me of some that maybe are slipping my mind, but well, I, uh, I, I get confused when it's like there's Paul Verhoeven and Lars von Trier, but they're Danish. Uh, right? I thought well, Paul Verhoeven was Dutch. Yeah, he's Dutch, so it's like, well, which countries, right? You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. some of the and some of their like co-productions too. Yes, like, and I've you but, know I've seen uh, Swedish movies, ones from Norway, but um, 
but yeah, yeah I mean, it was, course, yeah. yes, exactly. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you don't... There is a, there is a great funny part where they go see, I actually really like Jim Jarmusch's day of the, uh, the dead don't die. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's, uh, I was like, that's a film that I think is like really funny. And like, it is like not many people liked it that much, but uh, it, it's funny that um, the, he's uh, really good friends with Jim Jarmusch. So it's kind of like, Oh, really? Somewhat of an insight. A bit of a subtle nod to his friend. And that's what was uh, on the poster, is them in the movie theater, Um, which is like like the only image from the movie I'd seen. I hadn't seen a trailer or anything like that for it. So I was like, I wonder wonder what they're watching. (laughs) There is a funny bit. I don't want to almost give it away, but where these two film people come out of the movie and talk about what they felt were the influences of, of this zombie comedy. You know, there was like, oh, that's really funny. Like the fact that people would read that into it. But uh, yeah, there's just um, yeah, it's a very human movie. I mean, yeah, I'll say the last shot and the last line of the film, uh, two of the best of recent years. It just it's like it like raised the movie like maybe a whole star like the last you know uh, shot of the movie and the last line. I was just like, oh, that's because the line, the reveal of a name is like Mm -hmm. connects to like the type of shot we're looking at. It's It's true. One of your favorite movies. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, not specifically that one. It kind of but... is, isn't it? Where they're walking away. No. I can't remember. You're remembering like modern times moments and circus have Chaplin. Well, I'm giving away. I'm a Chaplin. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Away. I'm thinking of a different one. Yeah, you're right. City Lights is the close-up of their faces. Yes, yeah. yes. But uh, but still, it's just, it just was so heartwarming to see that. And um, yeah, and and the movie is like. It's like you. There's all these like weird, quirky moments too, where it's like you're. Uh, it's like there's just like these funny moments where like they're at the very beginning of the movie, like someone's like buying like like tons and tons of meat, you know, and it's like just like someone's skin. There's all these like little bits of like just weird bits of humor, and you know, like there's just this kind of uh, even though like you said it's naturalistic in some ways, there's this kind of dry sense of humor, kind of absurdism kind of like, to some extent. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I very much enjoyed the film, and it's one that, um, like I like. I mean, I think you could totally have not seen any of his work and enjoy it on its own. It's not like you have to, even though there's these references to films, and like you have to know his work to mm-hmm. appreciate it. It stands completely on its own. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's similar to uh, the best kind of romantic drama kind of movies, where where after you you leave it, yeah. I don't know. You get a bit of hope about about the world and about people and, and connecting to people and stuff like that in, in such a nice way. And um, I, you just end up loving the characters so much and wanting the best for them. And they, they kind of get in their own way, at least like the male character does. He definitely sabotages his own potential to you know live a happy and fulfilling life. And then sort of right when he decides he's going to, he gets, I don't spoil it, you know, something awful happens to him. Um, that when that happened, I was so worried that I was just going to walk out of the theater and just be devastated. So for it to, you know, end up on a sort of hopeful note, yeah. uh, well, like I, if I the really film like started, this film starred Glenn Powell and Sylvia Swinney. It's like, you wouldn't necessarily think, but with a foreign film, it's like, mm, you know, he could just <laughs> yeah, die. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't know what this guy's sort of thing is. Like maybe he isn't uh, just totally manipulating the audience and, and having them leave devastated. Um, I mean, one question, it's like I, have, I taught a screwball in romantic comedy class. Does a film have to, do the leads have to 
end up together to be a romantic comedy. I mean, Annie Hall, they don't, but it's still like to me, that's definitely a romantic comedy. Well, uh, that's I think when you can get sort of subversion, especially with stuff from the 70s. They're, they're very aware of genre. So for Westerns like, uh, you know, the Wild Bunch and stuff like that, play with the, the genre by subverting Spiller. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, like in uh, Harold and Maude, they definitely don't end up together at the end of the movie. That's so weird. Yeah. It is romantic comedy. comedic But it's, yeah, yeah like, graduate. <laughs> yes, it's it's something that's literate in the tropes in a way that can subvert it. But this is much more, I mean, it's a very film literate movie. And I think, yeah, it falls into that sort of screwball romantic comedy thing. But they kind of need to end up together for it to be a satisfying movie and for it to work in terms of, you know, what the genre is supposed to be about on a macro level, which is about integration of, you know, people and society moving forward through, through coupling. And stuff like that. Well, and there's something that's so like sparse about the movies, like 81 minutes. And there's like these interactions where it's like, you're drinking too much. I'm not going to stay with you if you drink. Yeah. Okay. I'm leaving. And he leaves. And then like, there's such this longing that's built up even these smallest exchanges. And like, it's such a small little movie that and, so and like, small kind of, yeah there's such a drollness to it but it, it but but the emotions aren't small no by the end of the movie you really feel for these characters and there's a real like and like there's this kind of in the way that um i was saying this about uh you know other it's like it, it, they're very different from the before movies but like with before sunset another movie that's like 80 something minutes long mm -hmm. like there's this kind of ache to it. Like we're like, Oh, it's like, it hurts almost. It feels. Yeah. It's like, like just say the thing or, or don't, yeah. don't do that thing. And like when this piece, the piece of paper floats away with the phone number, you're like, yeah, you're like, oh, you idiot. Like, yeah. Why'd you ruin this? Yeah. Uh, and there's this sweetness of, you know, him, you know, going around trying to find her and like her seeing the pile of cigarettes outside yep. the movie theater. Yeah. Oh my God. And, that like little misencounter bit. Yeah. That killed me. And uh, there's, there, there's a kind of a, you know, I don't know. There's there's just this interesting how like uh someone pointed out like the there's such a like her her house almost looks like uh Pedro Almodovar, like they're so vibrant colors, like there's such so, there's such a specificity to the look of the film. The, yes. Like he's one of the I mean you don't think of him in the same sentence as like Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino, but he's one of the I think he, I don't think he's ever shot a film not on film. Almodovar or, or Karismaki? No, uh, Karismaki. That oh, okay. you know, he's someone who's never. He's all, he's a very big film, proponent of film. Don't know and, enough about um, him. I have to take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, there's um, you know, I think even Almodovar has gone to digital, but there's just the just the look of his movie. It just really pops. Yes. You know, so another reason to see a movie in the theater because it's visually striking and yes, and there's something nice about going to a movie, and it's 81 minutes and it's done. Yeah, there's something nice about that. You know. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It it acts so much into it too. Like so much happens, uh, even though it's like small stuff. It's not. It's just I don't know. Such a great human movie. They like you... collectively go through like six, seven different jobs in eighty one minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It's I, I really really like this. It's a shame it didn't get an Academy Award nomination because we know how much. Uh, visibility of movies can be raised by being nominated for Academy Awards. I'm sure it's done wonders for Zone of Interest that the Academy Award nominations coincided with its more general release. Um, like I, I, I would have been surprised if uh, the movie would as the theater I saw it in would have been as full if it hadn't been nominated for Best Picture and Best Director and uh, the other awards it was nominated for. So it's sad that Fallen Leaves won't get a bump like that. Um, I really would have appreciated it, but. Uh, 
one of my one of my favorite movies of the year. Maybe maybe I'll watch some more Aki Kurismaki movies and, and a lot of them are on to... the Criterion channel if people have that. Yeah, I was thinking of subscribing to that for this month because it looks like they've got a good selection this month uh on different sort of movies. So yeah, you know, no free ads, but <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> it's also it's also a movie release who is a is a nice sort of um more I guess selective and uh, what am I looking for? Curated kind of experience yes. for uh, streaming, which we aren't necessarily getting from other ones. Um, but yeah, two foreign language movies. I guess I mean is Zone of Interest technically a like a foreign yeah. movie? I mean, I guess it's, it's a British. UK film. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the 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 country is the UK. Yeah, it's nominated, for. and that counts as foreign. Yeah. Well, it's not, the thing is, it has to be foreign language but it's uh you know like the there was that movie the quiet girl where it's in um irish, it's an irish it's yeah like, yeah you know it's like you really have to have subtitles to read, you know? <laughs> well yeah uh, well, <laughs> well that's in gaelic days. it's not like yeah. actually even in english yeah i, I still like, have yet the, to see that um, yeah perfect days is you know a japanese in japanese but directed but by directors German. yeah so and you yeah. know jonathan glazer is british yeah um we're but, just seeing uh, a lot more international co-productions, I guess, than we used to. Yeah, um, I'll say that we mentioned the Criterion Channel, um, uh, and uh, three of Glazer's films, uh, two of his features and one of his shorts are on there currently, so you can catch up with his movies. Uh, oh, there's there's been a TV series recently of Sexy Beast that didn't get very good reviews, but it's uh, very recently, the, right? Like yeah, this year. Yeah, I rewatched uh, Sexy Beast last month. Because uh, a, a friend hadn't seen it, yeah. and it's just it's so good. You got to watch I'm, the whole movie. I'm very aware of the Ben Kingsley performance in it, but oh, which yeah. apparently he's not in a lot of it. Is that right? No, he's in a lot of it. He's okay. like he's like a major supporting role. Okay, uh, so he yeah, got nominated. Yeah, connecting it to Schindler's List. You know, it's like he played in Schindler's List and Gandhi, and then he plays the most like ferocious mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Jonathan Glazer, absolutely one of the greatest living. It was like. He, he's like you know he's definitely in the top 10 greatest living directors who have five feature films or less <laughs> yeah smallest but he's definitely well, on it uh, well yeah we've, people have made their debuts recently i guess you'd have like robert you know, Eggers and people yeah. like that yeah um uh, but yeah, yeah we both both quite like these films uh zone of interest very important not necessarily enjoyable movie fallen leaves i thought very very enjoyable um highly recommend both to to everybody um especially you know fallen leaves i think is a pretty approachable foreign language movie as well because it's so short and it's kind of a romantic comedy um so not uh, everyone's gonna get on its wavelength but i think most people would yes so i think uh our next episode should be our top 10 of 2023 and our most anticipated of 2024 um so hopefully those get out to you before june or july or something like that where the year is almost over it should be in the next few weeks or so uh so thank you for listening and uh we'll be back with you guys next time